Amen. I want to talk to you about why we love Jesus, but mostly I want to talk to you about a burden bearer, the burden bearer. Uh, not long ago, I was working on some stuff in, our, in my yard, and uh, I go to Lowe's, I don't know, probably too much, or, you know, the hardware store to do things in the house, and I needed to get some landscaping bricks, and I was making a patio, and I kind of overestimated my load a little bit, and so I go, I didn't think I needed my trailer, and I was like, I know I need about a, I don't know, X amount of bricks, and so I go there to go to the Lowe's, uh, and I tell them, hey, this is how many of these stones I want, and I get my truck and pull it around, thinking, you know, this just, you know, it's going to fit in the back of the truck, no problem. Well, here they come with a forklift and the pallet of stones, a whole pallet, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, I don't think I'm ready for this. I have a little, I have a Ford truck, but it's a two-wheel drive. It's a 150. It's not a big, you know, dually or, or diesel or anything. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, maybe you go back home. He's, oh, no, it'll handle it. And so he puts the tailgate down. They drive that forklift over there, drop that pallet of stones on my truck, and I just see my truck go all the way down. I'm like one of those little low riders, you know, you see in the city. And I'm just, my truck is kind of at this 45-degree angle. I'm thinking, I'm going to bust something. I'm going to pop a tire or whatever. So I put it in overdrive and, and go slow. And I'm driving all the way back, the hour back to Gina, just praying, Lord, let me not have some problem. And so I overestimated my load a little bit. And then it happened again just, you know, a month or two later. Uh, and I go there, and I, I, we have a lot of power outages at my home uh, where we are. And so I said, we got to get a bigger generator to run our house. And how many know it's hot in the summer in Louisiana? And so, hey, I need air conditioning. My family needs air conditioning. So we go, and I go buy this generator. I'm by myself. I didn't think much of it. I go there, and again, they say, I don't think we can carry this, sir, and put this in your truck. Let's go get the forklift. And so they go get the forklift, and they put this 400-pound generator uh, in my truck. And I'm getting home, and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get this out? So I call my good friend, Pastor Christian, and we go, and we have to back up to the hill, and we have to roll it off my truck onto a hill, and then roll it down the hill and roll it to my house. And again, here's what I've learned. Always take a trailer when I go to Lowe's uh, because I clearly overestimate what I'm able to carry. You know, I think life is so much that way. There are some times in our lives where we begin to make our plans, make our agenda, do life like we think we ought to do it, and we get down the road and we realize something. This is a little bit more than I can carry. Life can get heavy really quick, whether it be marital issues, whether it be financial issues, family crisis, loss, loneliness, all kinds of things can come unexpectedly. And then some things come because we really got ourselves into a pickle. We took on much more than we could handle, or we've put our uh, schedule into a, a crazy mess, or we really realize we've wasted so much time doing meaningless things, and now we've got to catch up and we're behind. And life can easily get heavy. It can be a burden, and sometimes you may feel like you're carrying life alone. Or perhaps we're even carrying the wrong things. I want to talk to you about a burden uh, this morning, and a burden is this heavy load. It's defined as something mentally or spiritually that weighs you down. There are those burdens, too, that are so heavy that seem to drain the life out of you. How many people know what I'm talking about this morning? You've had moments in life where it just felt like it just, you did, all you could do to have another week and just to keep on going, it just seems to suck the, the strength and drain the strength out of you. 
And in this life, like I was trying to build something and do something, we are all trying to build something. I think every person in here, we all long for peace. We all long for happiness. We, we all want joy. We want a full life. We, we're all trying to build uh, things with our finances, with our family, uh, with our future. We're looking for a better tomorrow. I think every person in the world could say that. We want peace. We want prosperity. We want rest for our souls. But here's the, the catch is we all have a breaking point. There is a point in every single person's life, whether how big you are, or how small you are, how strong you are, how weak you are, every person has a breaking point. Every single person has a moment in their life where they realize, I cannot carry this any further. And that's kind of the, the theme of this morning. And striving to build a better life, you're going to encounter fears, you're going to encounter failures, you're going to encounter debt, you're going to encounter discouragements. And you're going to find out one day, at some point in your life, this journey of life is not easy. In fact, it's dangerous. Sometimes it's deadly. Uh, And because we are weak as sin-filled people, people who have fallen from the grace of God and our sin nature, it is actually impossible to finish this life well and make all those goals of rest and peace and love and hope. And I know... In my life, I've realized that in Heath Harris, there is nothing strong, there is nothing good, there is nothing that I can do to have a joy-filled, peace-filled, hope-filled life apart from Jesus Christ. And so I'm weak. And many people, I think, today are trying to build their life in America, and they are working, and they are working, but they are wandering aimlessly, they are a heavy burden, and I think any number of Christians find themselves under a heavy heavy load trying to even live a good Christian life. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. And all of this weight and all of this burden and putting these things on ourselves, who is building your life? I was trying to build my patio, and it was me building it, and I was overestimating, and I was trying to carry it, and I was trying to make it there. But who in your life right now, who is at the driver's seat? Who is carrying your load? Who is setting the agenda for your life? Who's carrying uh, your life and your burdens? Who do you give the fears of your finances to? Who do you give your family to and your future to? And maybe today, just perhaps, you would be honest with yourself and say, I realize I'm carrying some wrong things. There are some things that I'm not meant to carry. There are some things that have weighted me down for far too long, and I'm ready to give them up today. There were these people uh, in Scripture, they were called burden bearers, and they were the people that you could think about who were carrying the heavy stones to build the temples or the pyramids or any ancient times. It would be those uh, masonry-like people who would carry the heavy load, often these stones or these bricks, and they were often called burden bearers. They would bear the burden of the brick, and later on we would understand them to be, uh, also that word also mean donkeys or mules or or any kind of ox or beast and we would call it the beast of burden something like a donkey that had two saddlebags on it it would be a beast of burden or a burden bearer and i love jesus today because he carries my burden he's my burden bearer so look with me in nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10 i'm going to talk to you about walking heavy this morning let me set the stage for this. How many people are in Nehemiah chapter 4? Somebody say amen. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10. We find Nehemiah. He's a, a man of God. He's 
uh, in exile with most of the Jewish nation. Israel and Judah had fallen prey to Assyria and Babylon, and now a new empire has taken over the world. Its name is Persia. And Nehemiah is a cupbearer. He's the wine taster, the food taster for the king, and he finds himself ministering to the king as kind of an upper-scale butler. But he's a faithful man. He believes in God. He prays. He has a relationship with God. He longs for the day to, to go back, but at the same time, he's caught up. He's, he's got a luxurious life. He's got a house. He's got a 401k. He's got HBO. He's got all the things that he that could ever want. He tastes some of the best food every day. I mean, he, can, he has a bite of filet mignon every single day. I mean, he's got it all. It's a good gig. It's kind of deadly because if someone's poisoning the king, you may die. But most of the time, it's just great. And it's so easy to live in apathy in a day like that. And so Nehemiah has answered the call of God. And we're going to fast forward to chapter 4, verse 10. And Nehemiah has answered the call of God. He's gone back to the country of Israel, to the city of Jerusalem, and it's completely in ruins. The temple's been destroyed. The the walls have been destroyed. Everything is in ruins. And there had been a delegation go years ago trying to rebuild it, but that the walls, they fell short. The walls were still fallen down. And a city without walls is kind of pointless in ancient times. There was no borders. There was nothing to keep the enemy out from stealing everything and and raiding and pillaging. And so Nehemiah goes and and he is... uh, Whatever strength he's had, and he encourages the people. He says, let's rebuild the large city walls. And they begin to work. And even though they find enemies are, are ridiculing them and conspiring against them, they make it to halfway. They build these walls with what strength they have and what muster and what faith they have. They build them to halfway. But, man, the enemy gets mad. How many people know when you start doing good things for God, man, the devil just attacks you even more? As you take out those steps of faith and you start working for Jesus and you start going to church and reading your Bible and praying and get involved in a small group and start serving and start giving of your time to God and spending time with Him, Satan begins to mock you, ridicule you, lie about you, stir up rumors about you. He begins to divide things and ask God to tempt you with taking away your finances and taking away those things that make you comfortable. And He begins to work on your every area of your life. And they get halfway. And man, the enemy has started some rumors and some rumors, and it goes and goes and goes, and they find out, man, it looks like any day the enemy is planning to come and wipe us out. It was fear. Fear took over the camp of the Lord. Fear took over the people of God. And they come to Nehemiah and say, man, it is just too much what you've called us to do. This life you've called us to to live, God, is too much. And and we don't have the strength. And the enemy could come at any moment. And Nehemiah, he would encourage them. He would set up guards. But fear had taken hold of their heart. You know what the opposite of fear is? Faith. There was an absence of faith in what God had called them to and what God could accomplish. And they saw that their strength was not enough. That's actually a good thing. But they feared, and so they gave up on the call of God to rebuild the walls. And that's when it says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10, Thus in Judah it was said, The strength of the burden bearers, that's the people building the walls, is failing. There is much rubbish or ruin, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. It's such a powerfully true statement, and actually it's a good point 
But what they were realizing in that moment is they were unable to do the work of God. They were unable to do what God had called them to do. And maybe today you could agree with them. How many people have ever discovered in your life you're unable to do something God's called you to do? That you're unable to live life by your own strength. And here, here's this people of God, and they're not doing anything wrong. Think about it. They have taken on the challenge of God, the call of God. They're following the man of God to try to rebuild the city of God. It wasn't a selfish motivation. It wasn't something prideful or ambitious or, or greedy. They were actually trying to do it right. And maybe today you could be listening here today and you could say, you know, Pastor, I'm trying. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to go to church. I'm trying to serve God. I, I'm trying to worship him and live the life he wants to live. But man, it's tough. It's hard. It's oppressive. I feel the enemy's oppression. I, I feel fear. I don't have faith and I'm weak and I'm weary. I'm burdened and my strength seems to be failing. Even when they were doing right, they fell short. What does that mean for someone who's doing wrong? That even those Christians who are trying to do right fall short, it's saying. Even those who are trying to live for God fall short. From They're only able to build that life halfway. They're only able to get halfway to the goal. And yet even those doing well, trying their best, fall short. I think this is the status of the church that I really feel in prayer. God is trying to stir. He's been trying to stir for generations. But these last days, I believe, God, this is the verse for the modern church of America. The strength of the burden bearers is failing. And we realize we are unable to build the wall. I look at the church around the world today, and I've been in, in, in church my whole life and been a part of it, raised in it. And I look at the status today, and as a young man, I can see, man, the strength of many people in the church are failing. You know how many people I know that were once heavily involved in church ministry now just sit back on the sidelines. Many Sunday school teachers who were vibrant in their earlier years have now checked out and sat back and are watching the church decline. And it's almost this apathetic spirit, this weakening of the church. Many people who used to be strong in their prayer closet, strong down in the altars seeking God, strong in their witness to reach their co-workers, seem to just be overwhelmed by life. It seems that everything is, is inundated us. Everything uh, has just overcome our minds. And even with the most technology that we don't even have to hang our clothes on a clothesline anymore. We can microwave anything at a quick, we can go to quick lube, jiffy lube, and our oil change is even done in 20 minutes. But yet we have no time. We are overwhelmed. We're the most busy society we've ever been. And yet we're the weakest we've ever been. And it says the strength is failing. Look at how many empty churches are on street corners. Look how many empty pews are in every church. Look how many ministers have fallen from the gospel every month. Look at all the people who are once vibrant in the church have now left and are sitting home many this morning watching television, looking through social media on their phones. The strength of the American church has only gotten us halfway. We've been relying on our strengths far too long, and we realize that without supernatural intervention, we cannot build or rebuild this wall. 
There is a lost and dying community out there. There is an enemy who is attacking. There is a church that overwhelmingly in so many churches in America are standing in ruins, losing whole generations of teenagers and young people and young adults emptied out in the church. We used to have vibrant youth programs and vibrant youth rallies where we could have dozens and dozens, even 50. I remember going to youth rallies. They were happening every quarter in America in the, uh, in the 90s, and we would have hundreds of kids come on a Friday night, and you can't hardly get kids in the door of a church today. My mom and dad allow them to stay home. Mom and dad haven't led them in the things of God, and the strength of the burden bearers is failing. And we realize we are only halfway. We haven't made the wall. We're unable to rebuild the wall. And even in trying harder, we're unable to do right. I see a church that is weak in faith, that's apathetic, that's distracted by entertainment and technology. We're more into Facebook and, than into the Word of God. We're more into TV than into the Word of God. We watch all kinds of things on HBO and late night television. We watch all kinds of things now. Most, most things on Netflix today are rated TVMA. Have you noticed this? Because there's full-on nudity and full-on language and violence and rape and homosexuality. It's all pervasive, even on normal television. I was telling one of our board members and deacons, the other, our, our elders the other day, that even in the news now, I hear the B word and the S word, and I have to not even watch the news when my young daughter, five years old, is in the room. Can't even watch normal daytime news in the morning at eight o'clock while we're eating our breakfast. Can't even have the news on because of the language and the talk and the, the information that's on the news. We are so inundated by this world. We are so overwhelmed by this world. We are so overindulged uh, by this world. And we wonder why the church is at a weak point, why there is apathetic. I went to a, another church the other day as as we had a day off and got to go and I was talking to the pastor and, and we began to talk about what God was doing in our churches and, and we began to discuss and we both said at the same time, what is the number one thing our churches are facing today? And it's the spirit of apathy. It's a spirit of weakness, of lethargy, of, of overwhelmed by life, overwhelmed by the enemy. Things that, that once we had victory over have overtaken the homes because we've allowed all the worldly things into the house of God. The, the faithlessness is, is, is overtaken the house of God. There's, there's no faith to build the church anymore. There's no fight left in us. It's just an overwhelming spirit of apathy. We've given up. We've let it slide. We've checked out. I believe God wants to raise up a holy remnant in these last days. I believe God wants to pour out His Holy Spirit again and rebuild the church that seems to be crumbling. But it will not be by our might or our power. It's going to be by His, what? Spirit. His Spirit. Look at this people in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10, and there was a weight upon them. And that weight, one author says, represents the things that hinder our course towards God. There can be a weight in your life. It could be your amount of work. Some of us need to turn off the work. There could be amount of family time and distractions and hobbies, and some of us need to turn our families back into families of God. We need to turn off the hobbies that are taking us away from the house of the Lord. They're taking our children from uh, worshiping in spirit with our young people, our youth ministry, our kids ministry. I think the majority of our kids and our kids' church only come once out of every six Sundays. That should shame us for raising a mighty generation from the Lord. The majority of our youth don't have parents that go to church in our youth group. You know this? There's only a handful of youth that have parents that go to our church. There's a workload. There's money. There's family responsibilities. There's life crisis. There are some things that you can't avoid but seem to over 
overwhelm us, that weigh us down. And sometimes even ministry itself, even working for the church, seems to be a weight. And these guys were trying their best, and they were answering the man of God and answering the call of God. And here they are, but they find themselves powerless. That word means without strength or without power, Nehemiah 4.10. And it means that they reflect the physical, the mental, and even the material strength. They lacked it. They lacked the physical, they lacked the mental, and they lacked the material strength. It means that they were completely insufficient to complete the work of God. And I think sometimes it might not be that we don't have the time. We don't even have the mental ability to care about godly things anymore. We've we've been so inundated, so overwhelmed with technology and entertainment and all the things of this world that we don't even have a passion mentally, emotionally for the things of God. It doesn't bother us anymore that people are dying, going to hell. It doesn't bother us that we're losing a whole generation. It doesn't bother us that the status of our country is filled with hate and violence and there's rioting in the streets and there's lawlessness that's abounding and flagrant immorality has taken over our country and yet there's just this apathy. God, we can't do it. We give up. We give in. We're overwhelmed. Apathy. Powerlessness. Insufficient, God. We we are insufficient. You know, if you try to keep living this Christian life by your own strength, even a godly life, you will fail. In fact, anything God calls you to will not be accomplished by your own power, your understanding, your own goodness. It's not by your own might or power. Everything we do for God must be done by His Spirit. You know, but too many times I notice myself, even my own life, trying to live my life by my good deeds, by my good knowledge, by my good ability, by my efforts, by working harder, by thinking better, by trying more. But yet, even in that, I find myself falling short. You can read your Bible every day. You can come to church. You can tithe. You can raise your hands in worship. You can serve on the worship team or as a small group leader. You can volunteer in our kids program. And still, with all of your efforts, you will fall short if you're building your life by your own power, by your own knowledge, by your own understanding, by your own work ethic, by trying harder, by doing things your way and on your own terms and on your own life and thinking, well, I can watch whatever I want to watch and still, as long as I'm serving and giving and worshiping and tithing, I can do whatever I want. As long as I don't have to read my Bible or, or care about those things, I don't have to give up everything, God. I can still manage to do things the way I want to do it and yet still be the good Christian. And you will find a day of reckoning when that life becomes more weighty than you can bear. You will find a heavier load than when you first began because you have not only tried to crucify the flesh by your own power, you've tried to do the ministry by your own power. And here we find a moment where the people of God realize, God, we are insufficient to build the kingdom of God. We're insufficient. We're powerless. We've got to stop doing things our way. We've got to give up our schedules. We've got to fill our lives with the things of God and not buy what we think we need and not make our own plans and not wonder continually, why am I weak and weary? It's because we are powerless without the help of our God. And so they found themselves weak and weary and weighted and powerless, walking heavy. But look in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. 
once they realized that they were not the burden bearers, but God was the burden bearer. They started relying on him, and we fast forward, and Nehemiah has, has turned the, the people. He says, you've got to get the sin out of your life. There is oppression among you. There is a division among you. There is sin in the house of God, and we need to get that out. And Nehemiah begins to radically address it. Then he begins to put the right kind of armor on them. And he begins to tell them how to fight and how to fight well and fight wisely. And he sets up sentries in the right place and they find the weak places in the wall. And they begin to man them with spiritual men and women of God who will fight with faith. And he begins to stir the people of God up and say, no, we can do this. God has called us to it. Don't you remember what his word has said about us? We are the people of God and he's called us to it. And so God is going to do it. And so he musters up the faith and he calls them to pray. And he starts a prayer meeting and he begins to call them back to their knees again. When they realize, man, we are weak and we are powerless. We, the burden bearers, our strength is failing. We can only go this far to do the things of God. But now we're got on our knees. We've humbled ourselves. We've got the sin out of our hearts and we're starting to work and fight by faith. Nehemiah 6.15 so the wall was completed on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. These are not little bitty walls like a picket fence. I'm talking, these are walls that men can stand on. I'm talking those castle walls, you know, huge. These gates are enormous. They can, you know, fit wagons through them, and they've got doors on each side, and there's sentries, and there's stone, big stones, huge walls, dozens of feet high, really, really thick walls. They make them in 52 two days. And when all of our enemies heard of it and the nations around us saw it, they lost their confidence. For they recognized what? Look at this. They recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Even the enemies noted God is on those people's side. Why? Because they humbled themselves and they realized that it's got to be God that is carrying our burdens. It's got to be God who is leading this charge. It's not to be by my might nor my power, but by His Spirit. And this morning, your life has got to be accomplished by the power of God. This Christian life cannot be accomplished by your own efforts. The church will not be into revival or into a new season in these last days because we try harder and make more programs. We get the nicest, most educated pastors and we get the best worship team and we start all the right programs. It's going to be because a group of people say, God, we are not enough. We repent of our sin. We get down on our knees. We are crying out to you that you, Lord, have to send an awakening in our community. God, you have to draw the young people. God, you have to stir up sleepy, apathetic saints. God, we are weak. We're powerless. But God, we know you have not given up yet. That the best days may yet be ahead for the church. Because he is our burden bearer. He is our help. He's the one that lifts our load. And I want you to think about Jesus this morning. That this anointed one of God... Isaiah said he would come to bear our burdens. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus tells the broken people, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. That's the weak and the powerless, the ones who are burdened down. He says, I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I want you to think about this, Scott. We have been trying to build a life of peace and ease and comfort and joy and love, and we want satisfaction, we want pleasure, we want goodness, we want rest for our souls. Every person in this world, sinner or saint, is looking for that release of their burdens. They're looking for the good life. They're looking for peace in their mind, in their heart, in their soul. Whether they realize it or not, that's what they're hungry for. Every drug addict is longing for peace. They're longing for a release, just some kind of touch where I can just let go and just just be happy, just be joyful, just find some sense of belonging. Every person dealing with heaviness, they're longing for a release. And Jesus says, if you'll just come to me, you'll find the rest you're looking for. I want you to think about this. We said the burden bearer was those who carry the heavy load, even those that are like the donkeys that have the two saddlebags. And what is this high anointed one saying? Jesus, the beauty of heaven, the rose of Sharon, the great and exalted one, the one who would ride on a horse, conquering king of kings and lord of lords. This man, this God, says, I'll be your beast of burden. Not We are the ones that ought to be carrying his. Remember, on that day that he rode in triumphantly on the donkey, it was them laying their coats down. It was them laying the palm branches down, declaring him worthy, him holy. But in this passage, he says, I'll be the donkey. I'll be the one that carries your life and your life. I'll carry your sin. I, the holy of holies, I, the most beautiful, exalted one, the the great I am, I will bear your load. Your sinful load, your, your weight, I'll, I'll, I will be the beast of burden. Isaiah said, surely our griefs and our sorrows he bore. Surely he carried it all. He carried our affliction upon himself. What kind of God does that? What kind of a God would say, I will humble myself to carry your guilt and your weight and your ugliness, all of that sin and shame, all of your rebellion, I'll be the beast of burden. I'll be the burden bearer. We're going to be amazed by God, church. Because I know some people in this room just saw, heard that in just one ear and out the other. It's just like, okay, yeah, that's great. I know that's what he's supposed to do. He's God. No. No, 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 no. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do anything. But he was the lifter of our load. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, And he himself bore our sins on his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you are healed. And yet so many Christians still yet today are living lonely, sad, depression, anxiety-filled life, overwhelmed by the things of this life because we're carrying more than we are meant to carry. We're probably carrying the wrong things, and we're carrying it by our own strength and our own power and our own ability. But look what Peter says later on in chapter 5, verse 6. He says, So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. And here's what he says in verse 7. Casting all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. I think some people today, even in this room and those that will hear this message through you and later online, 
are so overwhelmed by the cares and affairs of this world. We have put so much TV and entertainment and technology in our life. We have taken so much on of our family's drama. We've been so overcome with fear of what the enemy has lied about our future and our finances and what's going to happen in the economy and what's going to happen with our children. And we've taken all this weight upon ourselves. And we realize, man, I am weak and powerless. It's everything you can do to just keep going with God. And you're hunched over and you come on into church and say, Lord, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. And people can see it all over you. There is a spirit of apathy and fear and lethargy and weakness. And so many people can't even get out of bed on a Sunday morning anymore because they are weak. There are many people who have not stopped. We, we have double the attendance that is here this morning. And the reason many of them are not in this room is because they cannot seem to find the strength to make it into the house of God. Because their burden is too heavy. And God is saying, if you would just cast all your anxiety and your cares and your fears and your worries on me, I will carry the load. But we realize, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this myself. God, I've got to keep on going. I've got to do this. I've got to try harder. God, I'm just going to press through. And what these people did in Nehemiah's day is they gave up. They surrendered. They got on their knees and said, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't be a good father. I can't be a good husband. I, I can't stop cussing. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop doing drugs. God, I can't stop looking at other women or other men. God, I can't, I can't stop my gossip. I can't stop all, any of this stuff, God. I'm, I'm completely powerless to the sin nature that's inside of me. God, I'm completely overwhelmed and, by the lies of the enemy. And so, God, I, I get down on my knees. I admit my insecurities, my failures, my weakness, my sin. Lord, let there be no sin in me. And, Lord, I cry out to you, be my burden bearer. I promise you in a moment of weakness and desperation to God, God is going to come. He's going to empower you to do the work He's called you to do. You're going to look back in your life, and just like these people in Nehemiah's day, they look back and they just said, God, by faith in what Your Word says, we're going to do it. Lord, I feel a Holy Spirit strength rising up inside of me. Let's put our hands to work. Let's put on the armor of God. Let's get back into the house of God. Let's get back to rebuilding the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look back one day, and even the enemies are going to say, man, God was with those people. There's no way they have done all the things they've done and started the missions projects with no money and built the churches with no money. There's no way they reached the teenagers just with free pizza. There's got to be something going on in those people because God must be with them. There's got to be a movement of God in us. And so what is the work that God wants to do in your life that can only be accomplished with his help? Because sometimes we're just happy with a half wall. Well, God, we got there. There's at least 20 people here tonight, God. There's just at least seven people got saved this year, God. Oh, Lord, at least we're doing this. No, I'm praying for a mighty shaking where the enemy recognizes, man, God's with those people. What's going on over there? Because God is shaking the nation through that little people. Man, there's something to be done yet still in these last days. It can only be accomplished with the help of his spirit. He's our burden bearer. And lastly is this, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, I'm gentle, you'll find rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3, because you've got to get this before we close today. Before we were burdened down with the cares and affairs of life, it's a heavy load, and we became weak and apathetic. 
But because Nehemiah, even in a day that would be easy to be apathetic, even in a day where he could have played it easy and just coasted through life and said, I'm going to be a good Christian man and I'm going to enjoy the pleasures of this world. It's so easy just to be a pleasure-focused, comfortable Christian in America. But Nehemiah was troubled because he was a praying man. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, it says, When he heard about the report of where God's people were and the status of God's people, he says, They said to me, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity, they're in great distress and reproach. The enemy's making a mockery of the people of God. The walls of the Jerusalem, of the city of God, is broken down. Its gates are burned with fire. And he says, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see, because Nehemiah had a heart that was broken for the things of God, even in a day of apathy, God began to share his burden with him. It's not just about getting off of your burden and giving off your weighted load to Him. He says, I'll take your load, but I want you to take my load. God is looking for men and women who will share in His burdens. He will carry your load, but He wants you to carry His with Him. You see, from the very beginning, from Moses to Paul, people of men and women of God have always taken on the burden of God. Moses, for the people of Israel, Paul says, man, I would even go to hell. I would be a, a reprobate. I would take it all on if just Israel would be saved. He says, I'm not lying in this. He had a burden uh, for the heart of God, a burden for the people of God that would move him to do great and mighty things through God's Spirit. And it's that burden that God wants to share with His church. And many people here today, God wants you to have a burden for His heart. I can't have all of it. Sunday school teachers, worship leaders, they can't have all of it. God's heart is so big. Some of you need to have a burden for young people. Some of you need to have a burden for the lost. Some of you need to have a burden for homelessness. And some of you need to have a burden for whatever cause of abortion issues or, or, or teenagers in rebellion. There's all kinds of things that God wants to put on you. And that's your part in rebuilding the wall. That's your part. He wants you to have His burden. And He says, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You see, living life your own way and taking your own life upon yourself, you'll find that it seems easy at front, but it will quickly be heavy. And for so many people, they say, wow, being a part of ministry and serving in the church and being out, you know, outgoing with God, that seems like a hard job. You know, it is. But when you take it on with Him, it's actually lighter than doing life your own way. It doesn't make any sense in the natural because you think, well, God, I've got to give up more time and money and resources. God, I don't have the time to serve. Yeah, but if we turn TV and television and Internet and technology and all this stuff off, you realize how much time you'd have? You stop living for yourself and start living for Him. He'll make the time. He'll reorder your life. You know, say, because there's going to be a passion that's inside of you. Maybe something that's been hidden for years that God said, I have something I want you to do. It's your part in rebuilding this wall. But you're so overwhelmed with your own burden of life and your own ministry and your own family and your own to-do list and your own schedule and your own pleasure and comfort, entertainment and technology You've got no time for my burden. You're not ready to take what I want to give you. I think there are so many in our community and even in this room this morning, God's saying, I want to share my burden with you. But you are so overwhelmed with your own life, you could not handle the load. 
And I think God this morning wants you to give up some things of your own life so that He can share something that's going to produce righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit because you're going to be seeking the kingdom of God. And how does that happen? And lastly, is this: he says, it's about my yoke. You know, I'm going to take your burden. I'm going to give you my burden. You think, God, I can't do that. There's no way I can, I can do ministry like, like so-and-so or like Pastor Heath or Pastor Christian or Miss Stacy or, you know, uh, one of our elders or our small group. God, I don't have that. I, I'm not able to do that. I, that's too much for my life right now. God, you don't know the craziness in my family and my life and my schedule and my business and my finances. And he said, stop it. Give me your life and let me reorder it. I'll give you a lighter burden because my yoke is easy. And see, there's this yoke. It was this piece of wood. Think about two oxes. There'd be two team of oxes side by side, and they would put this yoke, a a big wooden beam on top of them, and they would link them together. And that yoke would be what steers the cart. That yoke would be what is the the, really the directional uh, instrument. It would team them up together, and it would be that, uh, that sacrifice in a sense. It would be where they've given up their own rights to follow the leadership of the one who is driving them forward. And here's what you'd often do, and they do this with sled dogs in Alaska as well. They'll put the stronger one in the front and their weaker one to the right or to behind. And the older, more stronger, mature one sets the pace, knows the routine, knows how to do that route, knows how to plow that field, and it's up to the younger one to submit to the older one because they're yoked together and learn how to plow this field or as a sled dog, how to race this track or go the same pace. Because those younger ones sometimes like to get ahead. They like to go right or left. They like to slow down. They get tired. But that older, more mature, sturdy one who knows what that yoke is all about, they know how to get the job done. And what Jesus is saying to you and I today, what does he say? Let a man deny himself, take up his cross beam and follow me, your yoke. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. You're not carrying that cross by yourself. That cross beam is upon his shoulder. He's the stronger ox. He's the beast of burden. He's the one that knows how to get there. He's the one that says, you just submit to me. You just stay connected to me. I'm going to set the pace. I'm going to set the direction. I'm going to carry you. Don't get too far ahead of me and don't fall behind. Let's just be teamed up as a team together. And yeah, you need to bear this burden with me, but you're not going to bear this burden alone. That's why my yoke is easy because I'm carrying the cross first for you and then you come and carry the cross after me. But you've got to let your own yoke go and deny yourself and get teamed up with Christ so that you can bear the burden He's called you to. You're not called to bear that burden without Christ. You're called to take up that cross beam with Him, get connected to Him in that cross, deny yourself and say, Jesus, I know you've got my life. Jesus, I know I'm connected to you. And Lord, I'm weak and weary, but He says, don't worry, I'll keep the pace. Don't worry, I'll set the direction for your life. There's a kingdom we're building together. There's a burden on this trailer behind us. And we're going to build something great together. It's going to be better than anything you could have ever done on your life before. And before you were out there, you were alone, you were abandoned, you were abused by a heavy taskmaster. There had been more burden placed on you than you could ever have a handle to bear. 
You were gritting your teeth in the dirt. You were pressing on and pressing on. And that taskmaster just kept whipping you and whipping you and piling more on and piling more on. And the devil wants to fill your life with entertainment. He wants to fill it with pleasure. He wants to fill it with comfort. He wants to make you weak and apathetic because he knows you're going nowhere. But Jesus says, if you'll just know I've broken the yoke of bondage off of you. And if you'll just come to me and get teamed up with me, take my cross upon you. I've got the heaviest part. Let's build the kingdom of God together because it is not too late, church, for a mighty move of God in LaSalle Parish, Louisiana. But it takes a group of people like you in this room today and saying, God, we are powerless. And maybe I've been carrying things I ought not to carry. And Lord, I want to surrender today and ask you, Lord, just Lord, take my heart. Lord, I want to I come under you and realize doing things your way. Maybe today you need to give up entertainment, television for a good while. Maybe today you need to turn off all that social media and, and technology and just spend more time in the presence of God because we have been overwhelmed by things. Maybe today you're going to start telling some family members no who wants you to live out their drama. Or maybe today you're going to tell the enemy no who's been lying to you about the future of your finances and your family and your job and your career. You say, no, I'm building the kingdom of God. Jesus sets the pace for my life. He's bearing the heaviest of the load. I'm not about building my kingdom or my life anymore. I'm not about ordering my schedule and making my plans. I'm just going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to see mighty things for my family, for this generation. I'm going to be a part of the greatest move of God the world has yet to ever see because the Bible says there's going to be a former and a latter rain that the things at the end are better at the beginning. When God shows up, He's going to show out in these last days. And though the world around us is falling into apathy and lethargy and is being taken over by immorality, there is going to be a remnant of God rise up to rebuild the church better than it's ever been. I want to be a part of that church. And if you have faith, you can too. It doesn't matter what we see around us. I don't care how many churches are clothing, closing. I don't care how many people are not at church this morning or on any given Sunday. Those who are here say, God, we couldn't have built it anyway. I don't care if we had a thousand people in our church this morning. We could do nothing without God. He can do more with a few people. Just ask Gideon. Just a few hundred people can take over thousands. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Would you stand with me all across this place? Let's just begin to pray. Ask God to do something in our hearts this morning. And maybe today you are weak and weary. You are overwhelmed by life. I want you to make an altar right where you are. Just begin to cry out to God and say, Lord Jesus, I can't do another day without you. Jesus, I can't take another step without you.